A reading from the letter to Philemon. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Omnisimus, who became my son when I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favour you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do not wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confidence of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. This is the word of the Lord. Our Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Well, it's a real joy uh, for me to be here this morning. And if you just arrived and you didn't hear um, Kirsty's kind introduction, my name is David Walker. And I am, as I describe myself, the new vicar of Greyfriars. I'm not quite, I've been at Greyfriars for about 16 months now. I don't know how long one can call oneself a new vicar, but I'm hoping about 10 years. So, um, But it's great to be with you all, and um, I feel sorry that this is the first time I've been with you here at the church. We came to the barbecue in the summer, um, my wife, family and myself. And uh, it's just great to be in here and to see you all worshipping God. And we hear lots of reports from Pads and Kirsty about 
all the good things that are going on here. And we're really encouraged. And I want to encourage you that we're also at Greyfriars challenged because I think what you're doing here is brilliant. And you're really at the heart of the community and you're reaching out and uh, doing what Christ called us to do. So please be encouraged. We're going to um, spend a bit of time this morning looking at these passages of Scripture. And we're continuing in the series looking at what it means to have generous hearts Uh, So why don't we pray, and then we'll have a look at these verses together. Father, we thank you for your presence here with us this morning. By your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that your desire for each one of us is to draw close to you, to find true fulfilment in our relationship with you. And Lord, as we look at your word now, we pray you'd come and speak to us. Speak to each person here today, Lord, that they would hear from you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to talk today about what it means to find freedom through forgiveness. Freedom through forgiveness. And I wanted to start, if I may, just by sharing a little bit of of my story. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. Uh, In fact, we never went to church. Uh, I, I didn't go to church, it was quite rare, for a, a funeral or a baptism or a wedding. We never spoke about God in our family, just wasn't part of our lives. And both of my parents were in the military intelligence, and they're quite hard characters. Uh, they're both Scots, quite hardened Scots at that. So uh, conversation over the dinner table didn't really flow, uh, mainly spoke about the weather, um, And as a result of what my parents went through, particularly my mother and some of her uh, tough times in her job, uh, she turned to drink. And my mother and my father were alcoholics, really, throughout my entire life. And so my earliest memories as a child, uh, my sister as well, were of my parents um, being a drunk a lot of the time. And uh, so I grew up in this environment that was... Uh, very confusing. Uh, there was quite a lot of anger and bitterness and, and abuse. And so when I got to the age of 16, uh, I'd reached my end. And I was a very bitter and resentful young man. And I tried all sorts of ways of trying to find some meaning and significance in my life. None of that worked. And it was at the age of 17, when I was literally on a path to destruction, that Jesus grabbed me. And I say, describe it as saved me in more ways than one. And it was in those early days as I was on this journey of faith and as I was following Jesus that I realised that the old me, this David Walker that was full of anger and bitterness, was beginning to change. And I remember clearly reading these words that we've just heard from Matthew's Gospel, the words of the Lord's Prayer. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. 
And as I read these words in a tiny little Gideon's Bible that someone gave me, I realised that not only had I not received God's full, total forgiveness for me, but that I was being absolutely crushed by my inability to forgive anybody, and particularly my parents around me. So it begins with us receiving Christ's forgiveness for us. And I think that forgiveness is our greatest need in our lives. It was the atheist philosopher Lasky who said, what I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. He went on to say, I have no one to forgive me. And the Greek word that is used here to, to forgive also means to liberate. And we know that Jesus came to bring us freedom, didn't he? Freedom. And I actually believe, as I've been praying for you and for us together prior to coming here this morning, that this is actually what God wants for some of us this morning, to walk into a place of greater freedom with Christ. Because guilt begins to eat away at our identity, it eats away at at our sense of hope, and it eats away at our confidence. And there's a head of a large psychiatric hospital in London who said this, I could dismiss half my patients tomorrow if they could be assured of forgiveness. I could dismiss half my patients tomorrow if they could be assured of forgiveness. Now sometimes this guilt that you and I experience in our lives is related to a specific incident, something that's gone on in our lives. Sometimes it's just that general sense of inadequacy and we, you may think, well God can't really forgive me. Does he really know what I have done in my life? Does he actually love me that much? Maybe it's just a a never-ending sense of unworthiness that you're living with. Or perhaps just that sense of trawling over the last 48 hours of your life and, and feeling guilty, feeling condemned as a result of what's gone on. But what we know is that as we read the account of Jesus of Nazareth in Scripture, is that this is good news for a reason. And the good news is that Jesus came to die for us He came to take away our sin and to set us free. And as you know, this beautiful exchange took place on the cross. That as Jesus hung there on the cross for you and for me, our sins, your sins and my sins, were taken away. And in exchange, we are able, as we repent, as we turn away from stuff in our lives that's not of God, and as we walk towards Christ... To walk free. We just sung this song with these words. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you, Jesus, took my place. That you, Jesus, would bear my cross. That you, Jesus, would lay down your life. That I would be set free. Forgiveness is freedom. As we are set free from our guilt, as we're set free from our shame and from our pasts. Now I don't know you, uh, I don't know many of you at all, I, I know some of you a little bit, but I don't know what you are going through in your lives right now. 
what troubles your conscience, if anything. Maybe there's something related to a relationship. Perhaps there's something that you have said or done that has hurt someone who's close to you. Words which still cause them and you pain. But what we know is that God knows our hearts. He knows what is going on in our lives. But sometimes actually we need God's help to identify those things that we need forgiveness for. And so Kirsty, as she led us in that prayer of confession, just prayed, Holy Spirit, come and shine a light on our lives that we would know what it is that we're to be forgiven for. And sometimes we need to pray that prayer. Lord, show me, David, what do I need forgiveness for? And whatever it is, whatever is troubling you today, however great or however small it may be, we can have confidence that as we put our trust in Jesus, that he has forgiven us, that it is over, it is finished. He died on the cross once for all. And that as we trust in him, it is done. Do you believe that this morning? Do you really believe it? You may have heard this many, many times. You might be sitting here this morning thinking, how many times has a vicar stood in front of me and told me this? But actually, do you experience it here in your heart? And if not, then I pray right now that in the power of Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, you would come to experience this morning the freedom that Jesus has bought for you and for me on the cross and be able to walk in that place of freedom. And it's as we are forgiven, as we receive Christ's forgiveness in our hearts, that we are then able to forgive others. In my late teenage years, I realised that actually I was a prisoner. I was a prisoner in my own head and heart because I was unable to forgive. And actually without that ability to forgive those who'd caused me the greatest pain in my life, which at the time was my parents, I was literally in chains. I was held captive. And that's why I ended up on this path to destruction. Unforgiveness has been actually classified in medical books as a disease. And there's a doctor, Dr. Stephen Standiford, who is the head of surgery at the Cancer Treatment Center in America, who said this, that refusing to forgive people makes people sick and it keeps them that way. And C.S. Lewis, the author, went on to say, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable... Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you and in me. And so these words of Jesus, forgive others, forgive other people, are not just for those whom you and I forgive, but actually it is for us so that we could be set free from that burden of unforgiveness that often we live with. We become liberated ourselves as we forgive others. And a little later on in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus goes on to illustrate what he has been saying, teaching his disciples in the Lord's Prayer that we just read. And he talks about a king who wanted to settle his accounts 
with his servants. And there was one servant in particular who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. And he calls this servant in and he says, you've got to pay me back. And the servant looks at him, realizing it's impossible. And so the king says, well, go and sell everything that you've got and then give me at least what you get from that. And the servant, realizing that that is not enough, calls out and he cries out, be patient with me. And the king looks to this servant and he has mercy on him and he has compassion for him. And so he says, it's forgiven. Your debts are now taken away. You go. And this servant walked away free without any debt at all. And as he walked away, the servant came across one of his colleagues and he remembered that this colleague owed him a little bit of money and he went up and he grabbed this colleague by the neck and he starts to throttle him and as he's throttling him this colleague cries out have mercy on me but the servant didn't and when the king heard about this he ordered that the servant be sent to prison and be tortured because although the king had forgiven and released his servant from the debt that he was owed that servant wasn't able to pass it on he wasn't able to pass on the forgiveness that he had received to others God sent his one and only son to die for you and for me He sent his one and only son to die for us, to take our sins on the cross and to bring us forgiveness. How much more then should we be quick and ready to forgive others? It is as we receive God's forgiveness that we are then able, compelled to forgive others. And we are forgiven people who are called to forgive those around us. We are people who've been freed and we are called to bring freedom to those who are around us. And we are loved by God. You are deeply loved by God and called to love those around you. And Jesus goes on in this uh, passage in Matthew to say that actually, if we are not able to forgive others, then we probably have not fully received God's forgiveness for us. We're not acting in a way that pleases God. It's not that our salvation depends on this, but he's saying the true mark of someone who has received God's forgiveness is one who will go out and readily forgive others. And forgiveness is about resisting revenge. It is about not returning evil for evil. It's about wishing those whom who have caused us harm, well. It's about grieving alongside those who've hurt us when they face disaster. It's about praying God's blessing over those who you and I really struggle with in our lives, maybe at work or maybe a next-door neighbour. It's about seeking reconciliation as far as it depends on you and me. And it is about helping those who are in distress, those who perhaps have done us wrong. This is what forgiveness looks like. But forgiveness does not mean the absence of anger 
at sin and wrong, wrongdoing. It's not about us just suddenly pretending that we feel good about something that has been done that is bad against us. And forgiveness is not the absence of serious consequences for sin. And forgiveness is a continual process, and you know this. And so if I think about my relationship with my parents, my father died about 15 years ago, and we were reconciled. And for my relationship with my mother, she's now, um, she's quite old, she's frail, but we have been reconciled in our relationship. I have a good relationship with her now. I love my mother. She recently, last week, came out of hospital and because of the damage she's done to her own body over years and years of drinking and abuse, she's in a really bad state physically. But I love her. I love spending time with her. And our relationship is marked by love. But there are times when I have to continually pray for forgiveness for her. There's times when some of those feelings of of anger and injustice rise up within me and I have to continually pray to forgive her and to pray for God's blessing over her. Our first reading this morning was taken from Philemon and, and we don't know exactly the situation that was going on. The Apostle Paul was writing this letter. And it may have been that Onesimus, who was a slave, had stolen from Philemon, who was his master. It may have been just that the two had fallen out, as sometimes we do with each other, and that they're in a bad place. What we do know is that the Apostle Paul had led Onesimus to Christ. And we know that Paul writes in verse 21 to Philemon, do even more than I ask. Do even more than I ask. He is encouraging forgiveness, but he's saying, actually, go further than that. And in the context of this letter, he's saying, would you even consider freeing this man from slavery? Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting, but it does mean walking in freedom in the power of Christ. And if you and I don't feel forgiven, it is very hard for us to forgive others. If we're going to be hard on ourselves, then it's quite likely we're going to be hard with others. And yet if we've received the grace of God, it is quite natural for us to pour that grace out into the lives of those around us. And if we have been forgiven by God, if we know that forgiveness in our hearts by the power of his spirit, we will be quick to forgive others. I just want to finish with this true story. In 1987, an IRA bomb went off in a small town west of Belfast and there were 11 people killed and 63 people injured. But what really stood out from this horrific act of terrorism was the response of one of the wounded, a man by the name of Gordon Wilson. And Gordon was there that day, and he and his daughter Mary, when the explosion went off, were buried under about five foot of concrete. And tragically, his daughter Mary died. But a local newspaper wrote this. 
No one remembers what the politicians had to say at the time. No one who heard Gordon Wilson will ever forget what he said. His grace towered over the miserable justification of the bombers. And speaking from his hospital bed, Gordon Wilson said this, I have lost my daughter, but I bear no grudge. Bitter talk is not going to bring her back to life. And I shall pray tonight and every night that God will forgive them. Forgiveness brings freedom. It brings freedom to us as we receive God's forgiveness in our lives. And it brings freedom as we forgive others. And so I ask you this morning, who is it that you need to forgive? What is it that you need to receive forgiveness for? And I want to encourage you We're about to share communion together. This is an amazing opportunity to to receive Christ's forgiveness in your life as we share the bread and the wine, as we remember Jesus' death and resurrection. But also as you come forward and as you receive the bread and wine, as you receive the forgiveness of God, to, to do business with God and to forgive others if you need to this morning. And just at the foot of the cross to to lay before God any people, anything in your past or present that actually you need freedom for. That you might actually be able to walk out of this church this morning changed, transformed by the power of Jesus. So let's spend a moment in prayer and then we're going to stand and sing together. But let's be silent for a moment as we allow the Lord to search our hearts and we pray Spirit of God we invite you to search each one of us Lord our hearts, our minds our past and our presence Lord that you would shine a light on those things in our lives which we need to have in mind as we come forward to receive your forgiveness as we share communion. And I pray, Lord, for those who are struggling to let go, to forgive others, that in the power of your Spirit, Lord, you would bring freedom in the name of Jesus. Lord, that this community here in Southcote would continue to be a shining light for you, a place that models your forgiveness and that these ripples, Lord, that go out from here, that begin with you, would bring transformation to this community in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.